Welcome to The Read Along, a mini book club for your ears, a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. I'm your host, Scott. I'm your other host, Anita. And join us on a journey through a good book, one one chapter chapter at a time. episode of The Read Along is brought to you by Alberta Blue Cross. Life as a business owner can be hectic, to say the least. Alberta Blue Cross understands that. They offer flexible health, dental, life, and disability coverage for your employees. Even better, you can let your staff enroll and manage their coverage at any time and on any device. That makes life easier for them and for you. You've got this when it comes to group coverage for your small business. And Alberta Blue Cross has got your back. To learn more and explore your options, head to ab.bluecross.ca. As we come into the holidays, uh, obviously there might be some question, are we going to be taking a break? And the answer is always is no. (laughs) We rarely, if ever, take a break. And uh, that might mean that we have a little bit of a wonky recording schedule so that we can maybe have an episode banked for like the week of Christmas and New Year's. But you should not notice any interruption in the release schedule. Things should come out as they always do on a Friday with no problems there. Assuming everything goes according to plan. Yes. And as always, we follow our own rules. So (laughs) uh, we will have never read ahead before we record. No. Even if we maybe record twice in a week so we can bank an episode, the first episode we will have read a chapter four and recorded, and then we'll immediately read the next chapter and then record that one as well. Read, record, read, record, and we never vary from that. How would we be able to make baseless, irresponsible (laughs) speculations about the plot and the characters. Wild accusations, left, right, and center. If we were reading ahead and spoiling ourselves. That feels like cheating. Before discussing a chapter, exactly. I mean, no judgment if you've already read the book and you're just binging this. You, dear listener, are not beholden to our rules by any stretch. And you might be enjoying the dramatic irony of hearing us (laughs) speculate about what's going on. (laughs) Those fools, listen to how wrong they are. While knowing how it ends. They don't even know how wrong they are. Listen to you being all wrong. That's right. But, uh, I mean, hopefully, my hope would be that the majority of you are still listening to the episodes after you've read or listened to. I, I know some people do uh, audiobook versions and then listen to the podcast afterwards, but do it one chapter at a time like we do. Even if you like do the whole thing in a week, you oh, read yeah. the chapter, listen to an episode, read the chapter, listen to an episode because you're you're binging a previous book. That's, that's fine. Yeah, do you that. do you, dear listener. You yeah. consume media in the manner that suits you best. It's true. We're not going to break down your door. And we don't even know where your door is. Take away the book because you're reading it wrong. Yeah. How do you read a book wrong? Uh, like upside down. That's the best I can figure. I mean, for someone that might be a thing. Maybe they want to challenge themselves. <laughs> At any rate, uh, with that all said, I guess we'll uh, do a quick recap of our previous chapter. Chapter 12, in which Arthur Beckett explains why he doesn't know anything about anything. And it turns out that the island actually has some very terrible work practices in place. Indeed. That have fostered a culture of secrecy and paranoia. And with that all said, we get led into chapter 13 of Questland by Carrie Vaughn. Tor 
Torres is really keen to head to Tor Camelot as soon as possible. But Arthur's like, listen, you're here. How'd you guys like to at least have some lunch first? And Torres is clearly like, I'd rather not. But he like takes a glance over at Addie and she's got like big puppy dog <laughs> eyes, a little tremble in her lip. And he's like, yeah, all right. We can have some lunch well, first. <laughs> and I'm sure the rest of the team is probably going, oh, please, oh, please, oh, please, oh, please. Real food. Real food, please. Yeah. And so Arthur's like, fire up the kitchen. Let's get some food out here. And the tavern starts to fill up with like other villagers who are keen to check out who these weirdos are. Right. It's this weird scenario where the tavern kind of comes to life like it's supposed to. Like a real tavern. Like a yeah. minstrel pulls out a lute. Yeah. And plays some like classic folk songs. And then also like a song from The Witcher more recently. Sure. Why not? Smells start coming from the kitchen and they get served like beef stew and tankards oh. of ale are offered, which Rucker is told he's not allowed to have one. <laughs> Aw, poor Rucker. And I mean, even as the team like hunkers around the table and looks at their map and kind of plans out their route and has their meal, Addie is struck by how like a real adventuring party moment this is. Yeah. Torres looks like Aragorn and everybody's kind of in the moment. And despite the fact that they're they're kind of the outsiders, she feels like she's with her people. <laughs> I can only imagine. Once again, Addie needs to drive home how real everything is. And how, how real it feels. Certainly. Yeah, yeah. Right? I think it's Rucker who sits down next to her commenting on how good the food is. And she's like, yeah, because it's real. Yeah. Right? There's a real kitchen over there with real people cooking real food. Real period food. Yeah. Like they're, they've baked bread. It's like a real tavern. However, despite this, uh, and despite the the real homey feel that Addie is getting in this moment, Torres is on edge. And she's kind of like, what's up? Why can't you relax and enjoy your meal? And he's like, honestly, because I'm more on edge right now than I have been in any other mission I've ever been on. Because with every other mission I've ever been on, I could fundamentally understand the people that I was dealing with. And I have no clue what's going on. Like, I do not get these people. I do not get what's going on. Have you noticed how off everything is? They've been cut off from the mainland for five months. Well, they've Nobody. been on this island for longer. Yeah. Absolutely cut off for like, five months. No communications, nothing. Has a single person asked for news about what's going on in the outside world? No. Not one. Not even Arthur, who's the, the project manager for this, for a mega corporation. None of them have asked for any news. It feels like something's wrong. Addie can't quite reconcile that because at the same time, she's like, maybe, but like, I get where these people are coming from because I did Renfair. I played Dungeons and Dragons. Addie's the fun person stuck right in the middle of these two groups, right? She hasn't been there so long. That she's gone native. That she's, yeah, gone native. I hate that term, but she hasn't been there so long that she's like totally enveloped in the world. But she's also familiar enough with the world in a way that Torres isn't, right? He doesn't do this. All of his missions have been real world based out in the real world, right? That he has experienced. He has no idea how a fantasy world works. This is not his bag, right? Yeah. And I just back to your point of how you don't like the term going native, admittedly problematic but torres actually uses that i know he does chapter. i know he does and i didn't like it then either so over lunch they plan out their route uh first and foremost they they confer with arthur there is a road a service road that leads up to tor camelot and arthur even offers them some atvs because despite the fantasy 
charade. <laughs> I mean, it is still a theme park. They are still the construction crew. Yeah, you still need a practical ways, modern yeah. ways to get from A to B. You still need gas-powered Jeeps in yeah. Jurassic Park. Yeah, Jurassic Park still has a gas-powered Jeep. Yeah, but they're like, no, we're going to hoof it overland because we need to be stealthy and we don't want to attract too much attention. They also ask, do you know where the other two teams are? And it turns out that the other two teams are actually squirreled away in the two other, like, kingdoms on the island. Yeah, realms, I believe. Yeah, there's, like, the realm of the shield and the realm of the sword and the realm of the arrow. arrow. yeah. So they're in the realm of sword, but uh, Selvacan and her team are set up in shield, and Dominic is over in the realm of arrow, and they've got their own things going on. We know that one of the other two teams is clearly watching. Monkey drone. Because of the monkey drone. We don't know whom, and we don't know from which realm, and we don't know what the conflict is between these three realms at the moment either. But I suspect there is one, and we'll get into that in a minute. Oh, probably. So Torres is like, well, we have our route. We kind of have an idea where the other two teams are headquartered, and we need to get to Tor Camelot. So let's hit the road. Addie decides she doesn't quite want to go yet. They have a few minutes. Yeah. Right? Before he's been like, yeah, pack it up. Right? Everybody haul out. She's yeah. like, I'm just going to, I'll be right back. Yeah. So she ducks into the kitchen first and talks to the person in charge of the kitchen, Katie, who is apparently actually an HR person. Uh, she was an accountant. Yeah. Who is now running a tavern kitchen because <laughs> that seems normal. But she explains kind of why she joined the project, and she admits that it was because it seemed like a once-in-a-lifetime thing. And she was one of those people who was into Ren Faire and stuff. Yeah. Well, the email came through, I assume, all of Lang's employees, yeah. in any respect, got this email. Yeah, yeah. Like, this recruiting call, basically. Like, hey, this is what we're trying to do. If this interests you at all, let us know. And she was interested. And she was like, I don't really have many practical skills towards putting together a theme park other than being able to do some of the accounting but i at the very least would be able to tell them like what kind of herbs you should plant and yeah stuff like this that. was this was her hobby right this was a side interest of her yeah of hers uh baking and cooking and yeah. gardening right so she's like oh well these are actually very practical skills that are very useful in such a setting so here she is addie's like interesting also where's the bathroom and we had posited earlier that there were probably actual flush toilets somewhere on the island i would guess there are because a lot of, as Addie even thinks, like a lot of guests might actually be turned off by having to rough it in an outhouse. By the idea of a, like a medieval privy. Yeah. yeah. But there is, in fact, like a latrine out back, which she is sent to. But she does not go to the latrine. Uh, instead, she doubles back and sneaks back into the tavern because she wants to take a look at some of the other places in the See, tavern. See, there was this whole hallway full of doors that were not opened that she could have gone through. Yeah. She proceeds to do that, basically. She so finds, goes snooping. She, she goes snooping. She finds, like, a secret door that leads kind of downstairs. And she finds an armory down there. We're going to get back to that. Uh, it's full of it's full of like spears and swords and armor, and she's really impressed. It's also full of tables and chairs yeah, it's and storage stuff it's, for the most part. It's not necessarily an armory so much as it's storage. Yeah, and uh, then she goes into another room where she sees a very big ornate wardrobe and is like, "Ooh, I want to go to there." <laughs> uh, just as Torres shows up and is like, "Professor," because. Oh, he probably knows to keep an eye on her by now. He noticed she disappeared, so he probably went looking for her, knowing she was going to snoop herself into trouble. She, like, looks back at him, and he's like, don't you dare. <laughs> he didn't say it like that. And she is like, yeah, I dare. And she throws open the wardrobe and goes through, 
and then comes out in a construction site. Not a construction site, a workshop, like a woodworking shop. Torres follows her and pops out and is like, whew, for half a second I thought Lang had maybe invented teleportation and you were going to disappear halfway across the island. (laughs) And she was like, well, thankfully no. And she actually takes a moment to go, you know, I suppose when you're already in Narnia, the wardrobe isn't really going to take you anywhere special. (laughs) Takes you to to a workshop. Takes you somewhere mundane. (laughs) And then we get that really clever Mr. Tumnus joke. (laughs) Yeah, she's like, hey, Mr. Tumnus would have at least offered me some tea, something she couldn't get at the tavern. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> Taurus is actually like, you know what? I've actually read the Narnia books. You can't trust Mr. Tumnus. You can't trust Mr. Tumnus. <laughs> Which is true. It's true. <laughs> I mean, he's a nice guy at heart, but he was working for the bad guy. Spoiler alert for a very old book. <laughs> if you haven't read the Narnia books, uh, rewind to your childhood and sort that out. Yeah. But uh, so Taurus is not completely unfamiliar with fantasy and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Not nearly as familiar as Addie, but not... Completely in the dark. Yeah. Right? One thing I kind of actually skipped over and I just realized is uh, while they were talking about how Torres doesn't get these people, he does ask Addie what motivates them. Oh, this is is the part I wanted to come back to. Is it power? Is it money? Like what's going on? And she's like, it's love. These people love to do this kind of stuff. And Torres is like, yeah, well, people will at the end of the day, people will take a bullet for love. And that's kind of scary. I loved this part. And Addie actually kind of turns that around and says, nobody takes a bullet. Bullets are given to you yeah. against your will because she's been involved in a school shooting. Yeah. And, and, she's, and I, I yeah. think she got it exactly right. Well, to the point where Torres actually like concedes that point to her. Like he doesn't say it, but he- You can tell. He's like, fair. <laughs> she's, she's got him there. Yeah. And she's right. But he also legitimately apologizes to her about the violence they've encountered so far. And is like, I meant it when I said I hoped that we'd be able to resolve this without any sort of violence. And she's like, I know. Of all the people that I that I speak to, of all the people who say they're sorry when I bring up the school shooting stuff, Torres is the first person who seems to, like, get it and seems really sincere when he says it. Torres is also a little unique among... The people she's told and the people that know. He's coming at this from a very different place. Yeah. well, He has a very different perspective. He's coming at it from the perspective of a veteran soldier. But a veteran soldier who's probably seen some violence and doesn't like it. Like he's not like, and this is maybe a little unfair to Rucker. But he's not. <laughs> I knew you were going to Rucker. He's not like Rucker in that Rucker seems a little gung ho for a fight. Torres is the kind of guy who's been there, done that, and would rather avoid it. Mm-hmm. Who's probably lost friends or teammates in combat and doesn't wish that on anyone. Has probably seen definitely more than Rucker has. Mm-hmm. I like to think that someday Rucker will get there. Rucker's young. Exactly. He's not a veteran. Exactly. But this is the example of how Addie has a low wisdom. Torres has a high wisdom. He connects with people. He's good at his overland tracking. Like all the skills that you would ascribe to wisdom in Dungeons and Dragons, he's good at. Mm -hmm. He's got a high wisdom. Yep. The guy's on the level. Not to say that his intelligence is his dump stat because Torres is clearly a smart guy. Yes. No. But as we've said before, the difference between wisdom and intelligence, right, is intelligence is knowing that that snake, because of its markings, is poisonous. Wisdom is knowing, stay away from that snake. Yes. <laughs> it will hurt you, right? So, yes, Addie is very, very intelligent. She has all of this pop culture knowledge stored away in her brain, and she's fascinated by it, and she loves it. But she doesn't. But she's have not the... smart enough to not walk through the wardrobe. Yeah, she doesn't have the common sense not to stick her hand in the trap. Yeah. She does have a lot of luck. <laughs> yeah, that's different. That, I know that's different. 
but still. And since since we've con- gone back to this conversation about these people are here because they love it, because they want to be here, that's not enough to me. Because I think in this conversation, she's conflating love and passion. And I don't mean passion in like the physical, sexy, romantic sense. No, no. I, I mean passion as in like verve and enthusiasm yeah. for something. These people are clearly passionate about what they do, which is why they're here doing it. Yes. This is where it gets really off for me because I can't answer this question. Torres is right. No one has asked anything about the outside world. And as passionate you as you are about something, it can't be everything. Do these people not have families? No one in there is a sports fan who cares about whatever the latest major sporting event was. No one cares who won the Super Bowl or the Grey Cup or no, most the of Stanley are... Cup or yeah. the World Series. or All of them are big nerds. Nobody's asked about current movies or what video games have landed, or if the next novel in the Ice and Fire series got finally yes, published. exactly. Like, they are completely uninterested in what's going on outside of what's going on right now in Questland. And none of them have families that they would care about to ask for? Like, yeah. Can you send a message to my mom and <laughs> let her know I'm fine? Right? Yeah. So I can understand that kind of passion, that kind of total dedication in a handful of people. But not a whole island worth of but people. But there are hundreds of employees on this island. Mm, there have to be. The, what was the number we were given? Because we were actually told how many people were Were we given a number? And I don't think it was hundreds. Still, even if it's not hundreds, in this tavern, in this tavern, there are what, 25 people? If I remember correctly, we were told at some point that there were somewhere between 60 and 70 people on the island. Like actual human beings. Oh, okay. So, sorry. I, I exaggerated my numbers then. Um, I could be mistaken, but I'm pretty sure it's under 100 people overall. Okay. Even so, that is a lot of people who are willing to totally isolate themselves for this job. Yeah. And that seems a little, that seems a lot off to me. Yeah. And I mean, okay, out of the entire population of the world, finding, say, around 100 people who are willing to completely devote themselves to this project... Not outside the realm of possibility. But if, as Katie mentioned, you've sent out a company-wide email saying, anybody interested in this posting? You'd think that some people would be like, yeah, okay. And then after several months be like, you know, I'm kind of missing home. (laughs) Right? Yeah. Right? Yeah. So the best I can figure is that the agreement to isolate was part of the contract. Some sort of... uh... Extreme NDA? Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I mean, Lang is trying to keep this very secret. Addie is exactly the kind of person who would want to know about this kind of thing. Would probably have found out about this kind of thing if it was in any way public. Yeah. So it's been kept very hush-hush. Right? It just seems extreme to me. And that, for me, was the off-putting part. Here's something that I cottoned on to. Because it's been mentioned that all three of the different teams are kind of isolated in their own little realm. The implication is there hasn't been much communication between them in months. In fact, I think it's been outright stated. They haven't really communicated with any of the other teams since the shield went up. Yeah. And downstairs in Arthur's basement, in the tavern, is a room full of, as you say, chairs and tables and props, but also sharpened spears and suits of armor. Yep. 
And Addy's just like, surely these are just props for NPCs. If they're props for NPCs, they don't need to be sharp, Addy. I think that you are just trying to convince yourself that they are for show. I don't think they are. No, they're, they're clearly not. She was stabbed through the hand with real steel. Yeah, and Robin Hood and his merry band are clearly out in the bush looking for people. Armed. Armed. Like, historically accurately armed, but with, armed. With real bows and arrows. That means that they were expecting trouble from someone. And Arthur hasn't exactly been forthcoming about much about what's going on with the other teams. I think there's been actual fighting. You think you think our factions are at war? I think that our factions may be at war, or at the very least may be prepared for the possibility of war. I think Arthur's team might be ready if one of the other teams comes. I'm not saying there has been violence necessarily, but, but I'm saying, saying there, could be. there could be, and that there's there's the real possibility of it. And that elevates the situation more to me. And that helps me understand where Torres is coming from about this because these aren't just people who are living a Renfair life. These are people who are ready to engage in violence against their peers. If necessary. If necessary. For some reason. Mm. What is that reason? What is going on on this island? We don't know. We don't because Arthur isn't being forthcoming. Yeah. Well, we discussed earlier, the past two chapters that Arthur has been in, we've discussed how he's willing to work with them, but Mm -hmm. we know he's not telling them everything. Well, and here's the other thing that Addie brings up at the end of the chapter as well. Mm. Arthur has mentioned that, like, obviously he's headquartered here at this tavern in this little village in the in the Realm of Sword. Tess Selvacan is headquartered somewhere off in the Realm of Shield. And Brand seems to be headquartered in a village over in the, in the Arrow Realm. So who's at Tor Camelot? Mm. And more to that, as Addie puts it, if this is a game, who's currently running it? Right, her all that discussion about her discomfort with not knowing who the game master is yeah. and what the rules are. Because at the end of the day, they are in a large simulated game. And the game is active. There were spiders on in that maze. There was a sphinx that was waiting for them at that tower. They've seen, like, warg riders chasing unicorns. The island is active. Arthur even said, like, Tor Camelot is full of traps. If you want to get to the control center, you're going to have to go through them because we designed a really poorly run park. <laughs> and Not his words, our words. At the end of the day, that means that there's some dark lord at the top of that tower who's pulling the strings. And we don't know who it is and what their motivation is. And as she put it, if I don't know who the game master is... That puts me on edge because there are some game masters who like to tell a fun story and there are some game masters who turn it into a competition and aren't satisfied if people don't end up dead. And I don't want to be in that story. I don't want to no. be in that game. And and she's right. How can you challenge a game when you don't know all the rules? Yeah. She still has a ring in her pocket. She doesn't know what it does. And a weird Triforce. Well, she has an thing. idea what that does. Assuming that Arthur wasn't outright lying. She was crazy speculating about what it does she doesn't know anything because arthur didn't tell her more than it's just data storage yeah experimental data storage yeah yeah so to me that doesn't mean very much because it is too vague something to chew on something's going on and it's not clear exactly what and i mean torres and his team definitely just kind of want to cut through it all and just get to the control center and get things back under control but There's another layer of this plot that we're not yet privy to. Yes. That we haven't seen. Correct. So, yeah. Where are we? We're about not quite halfway? 
Not quite halfway. Not quite halfway. So there's there's probably two or three more there's, shoes ready to drop. Oh, there's lots of book left. Indeed. Lots of book left for us to discover this story. And perhaps we'll discover more of it as we read on into chapter 14, which you'll want to do in time for next week. And in the meantime, you know, an undertaking of this magnitude definitely takes someone with limitless access to resources. But if you have even slightly more humble ambitions... <laughs> You might not have access to those limitless resources. You might need a little bit of help. And people like Connect First Credit Union might be able to help you out. Do you ever feel like just a number? A digit? A denominator? A decimal? Another cog in the big bank machine? Waiting on hold? Online? Never on time? And always on your dime? Like your worth is only calculated by your net worth? In a world full of numbers, it's nice to know there's a place where you're not one. Connect First Credit Union. Bank on a brighter future. You can check out more about Connect First Credit Union and all of our sponsors uh, by heading over to the Alberta Podcast Network website. That's albertapodcastnetwork.com. While you're there, you'll probably find some other member podcasts that might be to your interest. Oh, go shopping. You can find anything. Yeah, you can uh, check them out on your podcatcher of choice. It's probably where you're catching this pod. That just makes sense. You might give us a little rating and a review. That helps us out. We really would appreciate it. It's like, honestly. Yeah. You can also reach out to us on social media. Oh, yes. Uh, Pick your poison. We're on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Goodreads. We are at the read along on most of those, which we hope makes us easy to find. Yep. You can also send us an email. Yes. We are the read along at gmail.com. And with that said, as always, we love you very much and see you next time. For more adventure. Thank you for joining us on The Read Along with your hosts, Anita and Scott Bourgeois, a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network. All Read Along music is by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. Cover art is by Aaron Beaver. Be sure to join us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at The Read Along, and check out our group on Goodreads.com.